0: Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that there is hope in Jesus. Lord, in dark days and challenging times, it is such an incredible encouragement and strength to know that we have hope in you. And what is even more encouraging is that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And I pray that today in everything that we do our attention, our worship, our praise would be given to you and to you alone, Jesus. Be glorified in all that we do and say today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So glad that you could be with us today. It is great to have you at Crossroads Church this morning, uh, enjoying (laughs) Memorial Weekend. That's what it is. Ah, it's a little different this year. Granted, you know, that's kind of the way it is. There's been a lot of difference. (laughs) There's been a lot of difference this year, a lot of unique. And we are experiencing that kind of first summer holiday uniquely. I just want to take a minute and say a huge thank you uh, to, first of all, let me say it this way. To everyone who has served in the United States military, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those who are currently serving, thank you. We are blessed and our freedoms Our freedoms are intact because of your amazing service. And then today being more, this is Memorial Weekend, that being the case, we pause and we just remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. They've laid down their lives for us. It's a mark of a friend, Jesus said. And we don't minimize that. We're forever in their debt. And family members who have lost loved ones in the service of our country, our hearts, our prayers, our thoughts are with you this weekend. We'll never forget. So let me say it again, thank you so very much. As we move through this week, uh, some, there's some really cool things that are on the horizon. Uh, this past Friday, as a matter of fact, Governor Newsom uh, said that on Monday, he's gonna be releasing some more information about reopening for churches. Now, I don't know all that that means, but what I do know, is that we're one week closer. We're one week closer. And it really, uh, I want to reinforce something to, do, to you today. Make sure that you join me on Tuesday for Newsday Tuesday. I'm pretty confident I'm going to have some pretty significant information to be able to share with you about reopening. And I don't want you to miss that. And we've been talking about this often about subscribing to our YouTube channel, but I want to say it again, subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that notification bell. That way you're aware that when we go live with something, and especially for Newsday Tuesday, I'm believing that we're going to have some really good guidelines as to what reopening is going to look like and when reopening is going to happen. There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts right now, and we want to keep you informed of those moving parts. So, Don't hesitate, don't miss it, be a part. Uh, Follow us on social media and then also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Well, we're in a series of messages titled Joy Regardless. And we're talking about, we're, we're actually in a series of messages through the book of Philippians, and this is a great book. And it really, the theme of that book is joy. And we're talking about joy regardless. So we're going to do that again today. So right from the beginning, what I want you to do is open your YouVersion app to Philippians chapter 2. The notes are there for you. The scriptures are there. It will help you follow along with what we're doing. Uh, but also, let us know that you're with us in the live chat. Uh, go right now and say, hey, I'm here today. Or especially if you happen to be new, uh, this is your first time with us at Crossroads Church. I want to start, first of all say thanks. It's great to have you with us. But we'd love to know you're here, so let us know that you have joined us. And then don't hesitate during the course of the message if there's something that really resonates with you. Give a little bit of an amen or yeah, that's good or however it is, you know, some something along those lines. We would love to have that ongoing conversation with you. In 1994, uh, just before our family moved to Southern California, we took a family vacation and we went to Canada. Now we'd never been to Canada before. And we were really excited about the week. I think we spent maybe 10 days or so, something like that. Went to Seattle. And then we went to Victoria, British Columbia. Incredible city. And what was really cool is at that particular moment, they were preparing for Queen Elizabeth's visit. And they had had the city just in immaculate condition. There were flower boxes everywhere. It was really, really beautiful. We went to the Empress Hotel, had high tea, toured the city. It was really fun. Well, we also went to the world-famous Butcher Gardens. And if you know anything about my wife, Marcy, she loves flowers and especially roses. And this place, if you've never been there, it is extraordinary. If you like flowers and gardens and that kind of thing, that's your place. That's the place to go. So we went and we took our three kids with us. Uh, We had a 14-year-old, a 12, 11-year-old, and an 8-year-old, something like that. I don't remember exactly how old they were. That's about what they were. But I'm going to tell you something. Our oldest, uh uh-oh, I just gave it away. Our oldest, yeah, it was him. You know what happened? He had a bad attitude. (laughs) I'm telling you, a bad attitude. And that bad attitude kind of manifested itself like this. We'd walk by a series of beautiful flowers, and he would say, oh, another rose bush. They were walking behind us. And every time he said it, the other two would chime in and and laugh or do something, kind of have that same attitude with him. Well, this did not make my wife happy, nor did it make me happy. Uh, This was just ruining our day. I would just say it this way. It was ruining our joy. Any joy that we were going to have, it was gone. It was just non-existent. And, And so something I learned from that, something I learned is that enduring... Enduring a bad attitude reinforced something. It reinforced the value of having a good one. Because if you have a good attitude, you're going to have joy. There, there's just joy connected to that. But when you don't, it takes the joy away. Now, I can honestly say, you can give the guy a little bit of a break. He's 15 years old. I understand that. That's a little bit of a, you know, maybe an excuse or a, a free pass or something. But I can tell you that even today, he's got a great attitude. He's a great father, a great husband. Uh, he's a great young man. The, the point is, is that that bad attitude was there, and it and it impacted us very dramatically well as you might imagine we're going to talk about attitude today attitude so in your bibles or in your you version uh, or on you version whether that's in your phone or a tablet or on your laptop or your computer whatever it might be take a look with me please if you would at philippians chapter 2 and we're going to begin reading at verse number one this is what paul writes therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with christ if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another had the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pray with me, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this marvelous passage of scripture. It's just incredible as I, as I read it again today. And I pray that you would open up our hearts to what you desire to say to us and let us have, let us have the wisdom and the will and the desire to be obedient to your word today encourage us bring life to us in jesus name amen Uh, a few things that i want to share today about attitude there's i'm sure there's there's hundreds of different things but just going to give you four the first is this that attitude is a choice attitude is a choice i'm pretty confident safe to say that having a that all of us at some point have had a bad attitude i have i have i be to be completely transparent. I have. I've had a bad attitude. I can certainly remember a variety of times when I was in high school that I had a bad attitude, probably carried over into college, probably had some even maybe yesterday, you know, maybe you could join me in saying that. You know, a bad attitude is something that all of us have. And honestly, I need to have my attitude adjusted from time to time. I, I would also recognize that having a bad attitude you know, really does rob others around me of joy. And and now why do I say that it's a choice? Why do I say it's a choice? You know, do we really have that choice in the attitudes we display? I believe that we do. In fact, in verse number one, Paul uses this little word, if, and he uses it numerous times. Here's something really significant. When we think of the word if, it's kind of, it's a question. It's whether or not we would do it but really the original language of of the New Testament, which is Greek, the better word to use is since. That what is being said is that there's an assumption here of the things that Paul is saying. These things are already a part of our lives or should be already a part of our lives as followers of Christ. But yet it's a decision for us to have a good attitude. And, And so I wonder if these things are already in us, then what is it? Why is it that we struggle to have a good or bad attitude? I would say it's because that we have two natures. We have a spiritual nature and we have a sinful nature. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter seven, verse 22. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power. You get this? Another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, I Lord, my Lord. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have these two natures. they're struggling against each other. In, in my life are all of these qualities that Paul is saying, but yet I can have a bad attitude. but there's this struggle going on and what saves us from that is Christ. That's what Paul says. You know, the, the reality for me and the reality for you is that your attitude and my attitude is contagious. It, it, it's contagious. There are residual effects of me having a bad attitude and residual effects of me having a good attitude, which I would say is joy in a variety of circumstances, joy regardless. Therefore, therefore, what I'm going to suggest is choose humility. That's the attitude we're talking about. The attitude of humility. Choose humility. Romans chapter 12 and verse number three is a verse that I have looked to for years as one of those life verses for me. And here's what Paul says. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning, don't think you are better than you really are. That's the phrase. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Humble yourselves, James says, 4, James 4.10. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You see, I choose humility. That's the right attitude. When I do, it's, it's contagious. That has residual effects. You see, to be humble, to be humble, is is to not think of yourself but to think of yourself less. I want to have the right perspective of who I am. I want to have a right attitude. I want to choose humility. Therefore, I'll say it again, therefore choose humility. The second thought this morning is that a godly attitude is active and never passive. It's active and never passive. One of the side effects, I think, of this stay-at-home order that we have been in now for months and it seems like you know we're all kind of losing track of days and all of that but one of the side effects is this thought that it can potentially have an impact on people's mood because we're not able to do the things that we used to be able to do like whether it's exercise or just getting out for you know a cup of coffee at the local Starbucks or wherever you might you know, where you might get your coffee we're we're just kind of we're not able to do that and it has the potential of affecting our mood here's what i want to do I want to change the word mood to toed, attitude, attitude. One of the side effects of the stay-at-home order is that it can erode a good attitude. It can create a bad one. Remember, it's contagious. So I want to choose the right attitude. I want to choose humility. And uh, honestly, a godly attitude, while it should be embedded in our spirit, as Paul has said, it still needs to be lived out it needs to be nurtured it needs to be it needs to grow in us in fact there's a list that Paul goes through and he uses a lot of very active words like being having thinking doing considering and looking these are words that are active words these are not passive words you see a godly attitude is active and not passive. Therefore, therefore, be actively humble. Be actively humble. Now, before you go too far with that, that's a little bit of an odd phrase, but let me just unpack it this way. Our humility, our humility should not be forced, false, or frivolous. False force or forced or frivolous. I like I loved I, I love Charles Dickens. Dickens, a great writer, 19th century most probably the most um, memorable work that he did as a Christmas girl because we see it every Christmas season. I mean, it's just everywhere. Wonderful, wonderful story. One of my favorite books that he wrote, however, was uh, Great Expectations. I remember reading that as a kid. I loved that story. There's another novel that he wrote titled David Copperfield. And there was a character in David Copperfield, his name was Uriah Heep. Now, for some of you out there, you go, Uriah Heep. you mean that that, that that classic 60s rock band? No, no. This is long before then. <laughs> this is a character named Uriah Heep, a fictional character. But what is significant about this character is he was known to say this, I'm a very humble person. I'm a very humble person while secretly conniving for self-promotion behind the backs of other people. You you see, his humility, his humility was what? Forced, false, and frivolous. And humility, that's not, it shouldn't be. That's not humility. When we talk about being actively humble, we're not getting out there and being, we're not self-promoting. We're not doing things that really are contrary to humility, making it false and frivolous and, you know, and forced. No, 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 no. It's true. It's genuine, but it's active. It's active. Listen to what the Lord said to Micah the prophet, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. Look at this. To do what is right to love mercy and look at these last words. This is powerful. To walk humbly with your God. You notice the word walk, walk. One more verse, 1 Peter chapter five and verse five. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. In both of those verses, what do you observe? You observe active words, the word walk. What else? the word clothe yourself. These aren't passive things. It means that we, again, are to be actively humble, nurturing the humble life, the attitude of humility. So therefore, once again, be actively humble. The third thought I'd like to leave with you today is that a godly attitude is to be modeled after Christ's example. When I, even as I say that right now, uh, I'm taken by what I've just said to follow Christ's example. it's quite a it's quite a tall order isn't it? You probably have heard of WWJD what would Jesus do? you know those little bracelets that we wore back in the 90s? Well I, I don't know maybe you don't know how it all began. It actually began about a hundred years before then in 1896 but then by with a man by the name of Charles Sheldon Charles Sheldon wrote a book titled, In His Steps. And in that book, he chronicled a pastor in a a local community who challenged his people to do this, to use as the filter, what would Jesus do literally for everything, for every transaction, business dealings, uh, relationships, everything within the community through that filter. What would Jesus do? And what ended up happening is it transformed his church and it also transformed the community. Now, fast forward 100 years. And you go to a little a community in Michigan, Holland, Michigan, and a youth worker here was come, trying to come up with a creative idea to help her students be more effective witnesses wherever they went. So she created this little bracelet, WWJD. It became a point of conversation. Well, it really kind of swept the world. It was everywhere. What would Jesus do? Well, what I want to do for just a moment or two is I want to change those letters to the following letters. You ready? Ready? W-D-J-D, what did Jesus do? When you think about modeling after the example of Christ, we have to understand what Jesus did and then apply ourselves to that. What does, what does that look like? If we're gonna follow his example, we need to know what he did so we know what to follow. I mean, it stands to reason. So I want you to look again at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. But what I did is I took it from the New Living Translation. So look at it with me. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's very significant. Break that down real quick. Break it down. You must, you must have. Think about that. You must have. That eliminates any opt-out clause. It's a must. It's something you have to do. Now, in... In our lives of faith, I like to say we get to do this and not have to do it. I understand that. And that that's in that's in force here, yes. But this isn't imperative. This really isn't optional for us. We are to have the same attitude that Jesus had. It's a must. It's a must. Second part of this is the same attitude, in kind, identical, similar to. That's, that's an incredible challenge when I think of what Jesus did. How, how, how do we even do that? I mean, how do, how do we even get there? So I think what will help us, if we take a look at, at this passage of Scripture again, Philippians 2, verse 6, starting at verse 6, look at it with me. Paul writes, who being in very nature God, speaking of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used as His own, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I think from just the general reading, the simplest of reading, you can see some things that we immediately can grasp, we can latch onto, that we can follow in the example of Jesus. Paul points out that Jesus is as much God as the Father is, yet he did not not use force to be recognized by the world. Think about that do we use force even in our standing or our stature to try and be recognized by others? Jesus didn't do that. He made himself nothing and was willing to become a lowly slave. Paul is telling us, Paul is telling us that that Jesus looked like the most, ready for this, the most despised person in all of the Roman Empire. My goodness. What does that look like for us? This is what Jesus did. And, it, and not only did he become like the most despised person in the Roman Empire, he wants us to come alongside him and be despised also. Wow. And it gets worse. He was humble enough to obey the father and become obedient to death on a cross. Now, while that may not, well, that might not resonate immediately, but consider this. In polite Roman society, the cross, the mention of the cross was an obscenity, was an obscenity. In fact, Cicero, the Roman orator, this is what he would write. The very mention of the cross should be far removed, not only from a Roman citizen's body. In other words, nobody in Philippi is wearing a cross around their neck. One more time, the very mention of the cross should be far removed from not only from a Roman citizen's body, ready, but from his mind, from his eyes, and from his ears. Paul says that Jesus stooped this low for us and that he wants us to stoop that low for others. What did Jesus do? Here it is. He humbled himself. He became like a slave. He stooped so low for us and he and he compels us join me do this with me what did jesus do oh man he was humble he was humble in fact the apostle peter would write in 1 peter chapter 4 look at this verse therefore since christ suffered in his body and here's the word i want you to catch arm yourselves also with that same attitude. We're taking it up. We go back to what we said. It's not passive. It's active. We arm ourselves with this attitude of suffering. Later on in the book of Philippians, Paul would say, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, but also fellowship and sharing in his sufferings. You see, we become like that. What does that say to those around us? That humility. It's going to draw people to Christ. What did Jesus do? He was humble. Therefore, Therefore, be humble as Christ was humble. Is is our humility then visible to others? And you say, isn't it kind of a contradiction in terms, our, our humility being visible? Not really. It is when it's false, frivolous, and forced like Uriah Heap, then it is, that's not it. But when we're truly humble, when we're stooping low for others, not to the benefit of ourselves not for self promotion but because we want to be like Christ because this, this attitude we've got to we got to adjust our lives we have to adapt this attitude to our life you see when our humility when our humility is visible to others it's going to draw a crowd i love this phrase christian humility in the world is so rare it always draws a crowd wow it's so rare, it always draws a crowd. I think of one person immediately coming to mind, Mother Teresa, humble, served. She's considered, she's considered really one of the most prominent individuals of the 20th century because of how humble she was. It drew a crowd, not to her, but to Jesus, to Jesus. That's what we want. We want people to be drawn to Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 44 and 45, whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Therefore be humble as Christ was humble. And lastly, a godly attitude is rewarded. And once again. I just have to turn to the scriptures. Look at verse number nine, chapter two. Paul writes, therefore God exalted him, speaking of Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. These are incredible verses of scripture. They're powerful verses of scripture. They're magnificent. I don't have enough enough adjectives to describe how beautiful they are. But understand this. In no way can we experience the exaltation that Jesus experienced as a reward. That'll never happen. However, if we're faithful, as Jesus was faithful, now hear me. We have the privilege. We have the privilege of bowing our knee before Jesus and acknowledging him as Lord. I believe with all of my heart, that is the greatest reward that you and I can ever experience is bowing our knee before Jesus Christ who has given his life for us and has provided for us an eternal destiny that is unmatched. So I would say it this way, therefore with humility, Rejoice in your eternal destiny. You have an eternal destiny with Jesus forever. You have the privilege of bowing your knee and confessing and acknowledging him as Lord of all. That's a reward. It's an incredible reward. Writer of Proverbs would say this, Proverbs 22, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. It's that life part, life, life, humility, Life is the reward of that attitude. And then Jesus would say in Luke chapter 10, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, joy is connected to this. Joy regardless. Bowing our knee before Jesus isn't anything but joy filled because we are acknowledging the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one who has given his life for us. Wow, what a reason to rejoice. And we can rejoice, we can have joy regardless. We can have joy regardless because of who Jesus is. So therefore, once again, with humility, rejoice in your eternal destiny. John Maxwell wrote a book a number of years ago entitled Your Attitude Key to Success. It's, it's a cool book, cool title, and really a very true statement. Everything you need to know is right there. Your attitude, my attitude, is the key to success. And the right attitude, a good, godly attitude of humility, that's where we need to be. But you might be wondering, What are some things practically that I could put into place to help me kind of kind of ramp up my humility? How can I grow my humility? I want to give you 10 things very quickly. Very quickly. Not a lot of comment on them, just ten things on being on, on, on kind of advancing our humility. The first is this a humble person is teachable. It's teachable. Number two, a humble person is at peace with themselves and others. Wow. Wow. Are you at peace? with yourself? Are you at peace with others? Number three, a humble person is grateful. We have a lot to be thankful for. And I know we're kind of stay at home. Can't have, we don't have the freedoms right now that we once had. We still be grateful. Number four, a humble person is slow to offend and quick to forgive. That is great. Slow to what man, I'm telling you, it seems like everybody's offended about everything and anything. And forgiveness, no, uh, no, 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 no. But you got to go back to number two. A humble person is at peace with themselves and others. You got to forgive. We got to stop being offended. Learn to forgive. Number five, uh, a humble person asks for help. That's good. I need to ask for help once in a while. From God too. God help me. Uh, number six, a humble person treats everybody with respect. Number seven, a humble person is patient and doesn't easily get frustrated with the imperfection of others. man. Isn't that the truth? Number eight, a humble person recognizes their own limitations. Number nine, a humble person celebrates the accomplishments of others. Wow. And then number 10, a humble person is open to a deep relationship with God. So I would ask you, just stopping with it: are you open to a deep relationship with God? You see that verse that we read a minute ago that every knee will bow and every tongue, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. Yeah, everyone's going to do that. I chose many years ago to do that, to come to faith in Christ by bowing my knee and declaring Jesus Lord of my life. I want to encourage you to do the same today if you haven't. No greater decision that you'll ever make than declaring Jesus as Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Can I just stop there? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Acknowledge him as Lord. Acknowledge him as Lord. Commit your life to Jesus today. And Jesus then goes on He says, For I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. It means he's gonna receive us. All of those qualities of humility there. And you will find rest for your souls. You're gonna find life, you're gonna find rest, you're gonna find help. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus today, acknowledge him as Lord. So right where you are right now, if you would just say with me, Jesus, I need your forgiveness of my sin. I declare you as Lord. If you do that with integrity in your heart, Jesus responds. You have come to him in your weariness and your burdens, and he has forgiven, and you are a child of God. We wanna know that and journey that with you. So you can text us at 951-331-5167 and let us know, we wanna journey that with you. Or you can go right now in the chat and say, I choose Christ. I choose Christ. Give us an email, a a number that we can text you, that we can be in connection with you. Jesus loves you, gave his life for you. And this acknowledgement of his lordship, your life is on a new trajectory. You have chosen to, to follow the one who is humble. Grateful for that. So one last thought before we close today, and it's just this, a godly attitude of humility produces joy regardless. Let that be, let that be on your heart today and the days to come. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for our time together this morning. And I pray that we'll have the right attitude, we'll have a godly attitude of humility. We thank you, we thank you that you are the Lord of all. What a privilege and an honor it is for us to acknowledge you as Lord. I pray from this moment forward, you'll help us be the, have the right attitude of humility following after you and preserve, deepen, and sustain our joy regardless. Thank you for our time together this morning. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Blessings to you. So glad you could join us today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Memorial Weekend and we'll see you on Newsday Tuesday. Blessings to you.